We may never know, Uther. I intend to live forever. How dare you show your face here? Uh, faces. <laughs> Don't laugh at that, you idiot! A lot of story there, a lot of lore. Uh, for those of you who are into that kind of thing, I love you. Welcome to Live, Laugh, Lore, the podcast that explores where we've been and where we may go next in the world of Warcraft. Welcome, everyone, to Live, Laugh, Lore, episode 28. <laughs> There's an extra thought in there. Ooh, the show likes to get slushy. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> well, because I copied the show notes from last time. It was like the extravaganza. Yeah. Except I was tired when I did the notes, so I left the in there, <laughs> which, you know, if I was a professional podcaster, my brain would have skipped over the and just went over to episode 28. But no, we added the the. Anyways, each episode we'll check in, have some laughs, and we'll talk about the Lord of Warcraft one or two topics at a time. My name is Allie, the one who is staying with the Night Fae. Very proud Night Fae. And I'm joined by the warrior that is thinking about leaving the Necrolords. It's Jen. Not leaving. No. Just maybe... <laughs> You know, paying a visit to other places for certain activities. You know. Hey, 905. You, you get the idea. They're going to be like, hey, guys, come pay a visit over here. It's nice. The water is fine. So I might have to check out the water. That's all I'm saying. My heart will always be with the Necrolords. It's true. Always. But I might. Always. But I might, you know, dabble in that Venthyr condemnability. Because, you know, it's really good. It's really good. But after you get cozy with the Venthyr... Will the Necrolords take you back? Well, according to 915, they will. Okay. <laughs> they'll, be, they'll be like, how is, how is your... But according to their hearts, will they take you back? I don't know. I'll ask Draka. Be like, is it cool, Draka? Draka's probably cool. Yeah, yeah, true. I'll give you that. Vaj, on the other hand, woo. I'll just avoid her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's she's still... If you talk to her, she's just a little bitter still about us killing her and stuff, so... She's still bitter at Draka just for leaving the House of the Eyes. She's like, you suck. Good point, yep. So, I mean, just imagine if I left the Negrolords for a weekend and then came back during the week and then she made it look at me all funny. Just saying. True. It's weird. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, uh, while you're saying things, why don't you tell us what you've been up to? What have I been up to? I've been up to 75 hard. Yep. And if you're like, well, what's that? I told you last week did well not last week two weeks ago it's been two weeks so no i'm not i'm not i'm not you know doing the alchemy halls so we'll talk about our slushies um you don't know what's in them yet it's fine uh <laughs> and yeah i have been honestly enjoying it i've been enjoying the challenge it's been a lot of fun sometimes after 14 years you feel like maybe i should actually try a little harder to, to be active again. So that's what I've been doing. And, and it has been incredibly difficult at first, but I've kind of just gotten into the swing of things. And yeah, now I can, uh, I will honestly say the hardest part is drinking an entire gallon of water. That is uh, it's a little bit of a challenge. It's a problem sometimes. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the, you know, as the, the experts like to say, you should have uh, eight cups of water a day is roughly what they like to say, right? Well, it's half a gallon. If you did, if you ever did the math, that's half a gallon. So, uh, yeah, you just double it. it means it double it. That's 
That's what, that's what I'm drinking. So, and it actually works out pretty good because uh, I've come to realize that whenever I am, I'll put it, exercising quite a bit, it's really easy to keep up with the water. But on the, on the days where I take it easy and I'm just going on like long walks, those are a little harder to keep up with that water intake. So, yeah. Right. But yeah, I've, I've, I've actually, and, the, and then I can honestly say, I'm, I'm very excited about this. Like I said, 14 year break is the last, it's the last time I ever did this. I've actually started uh, lifting weights again. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to be swolgen. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to be sw- <laughs> swolgen. I can't wait to call you swolgen. <laughs> <laughs> Give it like a year. It's going to be like a year. <laughs> so have you reached that point where your body's actually really feeling good and like thanking you for this? Actually, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because great. I am and forever has always been the kind of person that yeah, I didn't always drink water. So it was always another cup of coffee for me. A Red Bull, something along those lines. And I'll just admit, whenever I thought I was feeling tip top, totally fine, perfect. I feel better than that now. So, yeah, drink water, everybody. It's uh, it's very, very, very helpful. So it is, um, Mr. Ali. I know you're listening to this. See, I'm telling you, drink, drink water. <laughs> you don't have to drink a gallon, in, unless you're doing 75 hard, then you do. Um, <laughs> but I would say, just, just drink the, the the eight cups. It's fine. It's actually not. Yeah. That's that's really easy. I usually get that done by like noon. So, yeah, not a problem whatsoever. Just that second half gallon. You're like, I don't have any more room. <laughs> My stomach's sloshing. <laughs> I need to like go walk out in the hot sun just so I can drink more. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that before. It actually is very helpful. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's that's me. I've actually been really enjoying it. It's been, I'm not going to say it actually has been hard. It, it hasn't been actually all that hard to follow most of the things. Like, you know, we picked a diet that was very easy to follow. I'll put it that way. It's easy to follow. Basically, you just can't have a bunch of crap. You know, like the, the things that you would think at the back of your mind, that's crap. Can't have it. So, <laughs> so um, the and then the drink of the water, we already went over that. It's a lot. Uh, the two exercises, you could just do two walks if you want to. It's it's mostly about it's mostly about uh, doing the, 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 the time is what's it's important there. Um, and then the the 45 minutes, you know, it's not too hard to find the time to do it. But, you know. There are some days where you're like, oh, crap, I need to I need to get out there and do my do my last one. So I think the two biggest things, though, that have been a, a, a huge help so far with this, just me feeling better overall is number one, drinking water. Yay, that's actually been a big, big help. OK, number two, actually eating better. I wasn't eating terrible before, so that's not that one. But actually, I think the biggest one for me has been, well, since I've been actually working out and exercising twice a day. I go to bed at a reasonable hour now. <laughs> like I usually right. fall asleep by like ten thirty now. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's been helpful, oh, except for those days that I am stuck on TikTok at night. But you know, that still happens. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna happen. This is just how things go. Yeah. Well, that's about it for me. So what are you been up to? Well, beyond the normal work and and whatnot, I finally beat Savannah so normal. Yeah. Yay! Congratulations. It was actually a really clean kill, too. It was great. And then we killed her again this past week, and it only took two pulls. So I was like, yeah, we're awesome. We we got this. I think we've gone through 
the first three bosses on heroic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first three. So that was good. I'm excited to. I've not checked my vault yet today because I've been busy with this and drinks and stuff. But um, drop my phone in toilets. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I will check it tonight or tomorrow or probably tonight actually after the recording. But uh, should we have a good vault hopefully. And I'm excited to say that I finally got a chance to do Tazavesh. Oh yeah. I still haven't technically finished that because I got stuck on the last boss. <laughs> if you ever want to do it, I will totally go with you because I absolutely love Tazavesh. Yeah, I agree. I think, right? Like that the fights are unique and I love that it's, you know, anyone who listens to Dungeon Fables know I will, I'm a complete sucker for things that feel like a location in the game. And this is a location in the game. It is a legit city with NPCs and vendors and whatnot at one point you're running around from vendor to vendor to vendor and it's just unique and different and i love it and i can't wait till i can just freely explore the place because i i I might have died once during the infinite pirate dragon fight because i got hooked by the tail i was too busy looking at the cool infinite dragon (laughs) pirate that i want as a mount and uh there was one other point was it a bot? No, it wasn't a boss. I think some extra trash got pulled and there was a mechanic that did a lot of damage. People weren't paying attention and I'm, I'm healing. And there was one part where I was only paying like a third attention, really. And also I'm like, oh, crap, <laughs> everyone's dying. Let's not let that happen. So, <laughs> but no, it was it was really fun. I, I had a blast with my guildies and I really like it. Really, really like it. I really like it, too. And I've only been in there once. And yeah, when you're talking about like, it's like a place, a location and a thing. It's really cool because you have to like take a boat to get there. You're like, woo, we got a boat. Just flying through right. the sky. It's pretty freaking cool. I like those little and broker then, like, boats. They're awesome. The broker boats are actually really cool. <laughs> and then the last boss, like we obviously you look up, it looks awesome. And um, like I said, the fights, like I got to, I got to go play guitar. I like playing guitar. That made me very happy. Oh, I was playing <laughs> guitar too. I was doing the power slide. <laughs> Right? Oh, that's pretty awesome. I have no idea what I was doing, but we won. <laughs> I didn't either. It's like, there's musical notes lighting up, and I think I need to step on those. I'm going to do that. Yeah, I figured it out eventually that um, there are musical notes that you line up. I think I finally figured it out, like, right before the boss died. That I was like, oh, let's do my power slide through the musical notes. Oh, okay. You don't just run through them. You power <laughs> slide through them. I was like, ah, got it. <laughs> oh. There was at the end when you power slide successfully, do you get like musical notes around you, like your body, like yay, woo? I think so. Where it's like it happened like once, towards the end, I'm like, oh, does that mean I did it right? I don't know what I'm doing, but this was awesome, and I want to do it again. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those fights where it's like it's probably not that big of a deal unless you do it on like the hard mode, and then it's probably going to be a huge deal, right? Nine point two, and they turn it into a mythic plus. So yeah, and we're hoping to do it on hard mode soon, so that'll be nice, but. Yeah, so I've just been enjoying that in Corthia and playing a little bit of Overwatch and and not liking battle st- Battlegrounds for Hearthstone and that whole update. And... I was going to say, Battlestar Galactica. What's wrong with that? Yes, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> um, no, Battlegrounds. And yeah, just pushing through, I guess. Sweet. Nothing else too exciting. I think we should talk about what we're drinking because that's far more exciting. It is kind of exciting. I was surprised I found something to, like this. You should you should tell us what we're drinking so I could drink. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's a it's a watermelon lime slushy. Here, I'll tell you how to make it. It's pretty crazy, guys. Let's check this out. So what you do is you get yourself some watermelon, obviously. 
And then what you're going to do is you're going to chop it up into little cubes. Says so you cubes. Um, and you're going to get about five cups of those watermelons. Five cups of watermelon cubes. And you're going to freeze them for at least three hours. Uh, don't do what I did, though. And stick it into a five cup exactly container. Boy, that thing stuck real good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> seems like chop at it a little bit, like yeah, stab it, a bit, break exactly. it up. <laughs> a big wooden spoon, just go out of there. Okay, okay. Now that you got your five cups of frozen watermelon, um, that's and make sure you can get it out of the container. Ooh, oopsies. Uh, <laughs> then you're gonna need one cup of coconut water. Um, sounds weird, right? I've never had coconut water before. Still kind of have it since I'm just having it in a slushy, but that's fine. And then you're going to need half a cup of lime juice. It's four ounces, by the way, if you just want to do it that way. But it's, yeah, there you go. Half a cup. And then a pinch of salt. I did kind of a lot of salt because I like a nice big pinch of salt. It tastes good. I kind of just did a few dashes. I didn't really measure out a legit I did pinch. Like, like I, was, I was going nuts <laughs> at it. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Then you throw all that in the blender. Blam. You got yourself. You got yourself watermelons, slime, slushy. It's freaking delicious. And you have to say blam, apparently. That's really what makes it. Mm-hmm. And the there blam. you go. I mean, that's, you, you heard those ingredients, right? Watermelon, coconut water, lime juice, and salt. That's why I'm allowed to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> it actually, honestly, like, it's now, admittedly, I did add just not, not too much, just a little bit of vodka in mine. Just and a smidge. I, was, I wasn't going to, and then Jen's like, you know, do it, it's fine. And so I was like... No, I'm not going to. And then, and then today happened. I'm like, no, I'm going to. But like I said, <laughs> a little bit. And it's it's a, it's really good. Like it's got a good flavor to it. It's easy to make. Actually, if you all want, I can put the little little, little image of the recipe on Twitter so you all can see it. It's a lovely summer drink since you know it's still summery out for now. Technically, and By the time this episode um, releases, maybe not. Let me see. I mean. It'll be the like first day of fall, but it's it'll still be warm. It's fine, and it's nice that you can you, you can easily have it alcoholic or non-alcoholic, whatever you choose, and it's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's literally like just missing some tequila, and it would be like one of them watermelon freaking margaritas. <laughs> Basically, I did not have tequila, so there's just a little bit of vodka. There you go, <laughs> which also works. That would actually work. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. hurt it. We could just. Add that in with the coconut water. Bam. There you go. That's all you gotta say. Just like Emeril Lagasse. Bam. Like you said. Mix the lime in the coconut. <laughs> <laughs> you drink a boat together. Right? That's how it goes. You put the beer in the coconut and drink it all up. You put the beer in the coconut and throw the can away. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, should, we, should we move on to our next little, little tidbit, little thing? Yeah, to talk sure. About here. Let's talk about the, the right. tragedy. There's things. Yes. Yeah, so we, <laughs> we're laughing and stuff, but that's what we do. Um, but we do need to take a moment to get a little more serious and once again talk about the ABK lawsuit because, as we've said, since you know this all started, we don't want to sweep it under the rug. And it's important to keep talking about it. Um, now, originally, when I wrote the show notes, there were well, there wasn't a whole lot, and then things got added. So, some employees that are a part of the A Better ABK group have actually created a subreddit named A Better ABK. No, no spaces. The idea behind it is that the employees from Activision Blizzard King want to work together for change and build community engagement with the players as well. So if you actually go to their Twitter at a better ABK, 
You can find the link there. I poked a bit around a bit last night. Not a whole lot on there yet. Some conversations here and there. Decent conversations. Nothing, you know, no toxicity or anything, which is really nice. I did find out, though, that there are plenty of employees that do want to unionize. However, they also shared that 50% of employees need to be in favor for it to actually go through. And sadly, as of now, there is not 50%, which is sad. It is a really large company, though, so it's actually going to take a lot of people to reach that threshold. But they're not there yet, which that's that's disappointing. But um, that's that's where they're at with that. Because I know a lot of a lot of people are just saying, just unionize, unionize. Your demands aren't going to be met until you unionize. Don't think they're not working on it. <laughs> they want to. <laughs> but I originally wrote these notes, so I was like, all right, well, that's it. We're going to move on. And then today on my lunch break, I'm like, okay, we got more. (laughs) So the Communication Workers of America Union has filed a complaint against ABK to the U.S. National Labor Relations Board. And this complaint basically accuses Activision of violating federal labor law through coercive rules, actions, and statements. Now, it claims that ABK has threatened employees basically saying that they can't talk or communicate about wages, hours, and working conditions. It also accuses Activision of illegally telling staff that they can't discuss ongoing investigations, threatening or disciplining employees because of their activism, which we've seen a lot of activism, as there should be. They are also accused of deploying surveillance and interrogations in targeting legally protected activism and maintaining a social media policy that infringes on workers' rights. So I don't know if you remember, a little, little bit ago, not too long ago, there was a time when ABK was demanding that employees talk to them before talking to the DFEH about the lawsuit, which we all thought was horrible. It sounds disgusting. It sounds like that actually may have actually happened and that they were intimidating the employees during that time. I It's, it's just a guess. It's pure speculation at this point, but that's kind of what this all seems like is happening. It also sounds like they're trying to bust any potential unionizing um, so it's, it's not good. But, uh, you know, some of these brave employees are starting to see retaliation as they're sharing on their Twitter and uh, different uh, news articles and stuff. And some are at the point where they're actually going silent because they're scared. And actually, in the last couple of weeks, we we're seeing some employees trickle out and leave. Not to our knowledge, not um, perpetrators, like people who are just who either re- were retaliated against or they're just done. Um, I mean, we don't know the details obviously i'm not gonna speak to any of that but uh it's been kind of odd to see all that now according to at a better abk on twitter if the national labor relations board actually rules in their favor the ruling will be retroactive and they're going to be basically setting a precedent that no worker in the u.s can be intimidated out of talking about forced arbitration which is good yeah and kudos on them Uh, i i don't see why this uh board would not rule in their favor personally but uh, it just kind of adds to everything with the lawsuit and stockholders pissed off and all of that jazz. Yeah, it's a it's a lot. It's a lot going on right now. Um, there was a there's, there's all sorts of little little bits of the news I've seen flying around about this, and I don't know. We'll just keep watching it, see what's going on. Uh, we'll let you know what happens uh, <laughs> as whenever we find out more. Because yeah been kind of crazy these past couple weeks a little bit in my opinion so yeah yeah it's ever evolving and there's always new stories come out from employees who are coming forward and either way like we've said from the beginning we we stand with all those employees and the victims and uh you know we're here and we're gonna keep talking about it 
because that's what needs to happen. You're here. Yes, I agree. Well, would you like to jump into possibly a slightly more, I don't know, not depressing topic? <laughs> yes, let's talk about other things. Ah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, 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 let's do that. What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you, what you, what you talking about? Talking about how gin slushy's already almost gone. Yeah, I got water to drink. It's cool. <laughs> slushy horrific. That's lame. Anyways, uh, there you go. There's your water. In our last episode, Waterboy over here led us through the first four chapters of the Grimoire of Shadowlands. Now, if you haven't listened to that one yet, you may want to go back and listen to the extravaganza. Today, we're actually going to go through the next four chapters. Now, that will actually leave one chapter left, chapter nine. But that one's about the first ones and the cosmology chart and can kind of lend itself to more meaty discussions. So we're going to save that one for the next episode. Now, these chapters have a lot of info that we already know. We've already played through it. We've talked about it on the show. It's been done. We know these things. I started writing up show notes. I'm like, yeah, everyone knows everything about this. This is stupid. So I'm going to actually try not to repeat too much of the same stuff that we already know. We already know there's a bunch of different houses in the Necrolords. We already know there's temples in Bastion. Like, we, we know a lot of this stuff. So I'm going to try not to repeat it. But that all being said, let's go ahead and jump into chapter five, which is about Bastion. So Bashan is, as we all know, dedicated to mortal souls who made service and duty their true vocation in life. Bashan's critical role in the machinery of the afterlives is to basically carry the souls of the dead from their worlds into Shadowlands. Newcomers to Bashan get set on the path to the Carrying Ascension. It's a long, filled with trials. We've seen some of those. Newly arrived souls get turned into new carrying and they get assigned a steward to help them transition from their life to the afterlife. Now, just to remind everyone, the broker who is narrating this book, who wrote this book, is Talora. Now, it just cracked me up. Talora here describes stewards as the exasperatingly helpful stewards, those remarkably sturdy and abysmal cheer- abysmally cheerful avian natives. Yeah, the Swalkins. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Swalkins. Abysmally cheerful. <laughs> I could just, I could just see the brokers being annoyed with the stewards. Stewards are the best because the little bit of time that I was hanging around in Bastion, you know, when I was leveling, and you had the steward with you, right? It was like, hey, steward, yeah. and I was like, play me a tune. He'd be like, <laughs> right? I was rocking out. Yeah, That's awesome. The stewards are pretty awesome. So, yeah. So this, uh. This uh, sir broker might be a little, a little mean. So I, uh, I like my stewards. They're pretty cool. Not as much as I like my dredgers, but that's cool. I'm gonna try this <laughs> better. So we've already known about the process aspirants go through and the rituals and or to shed their past and memories and whatnot. I'm not going to go into that. Something that is pointed out, though, is that, and quoting the book here, as the first ones wrought the framework framework of the cosmos, no doubt they understood that a constant and reliable stream of mortal souls crossing the veil would be necessary for sustaining the burgeoning, burgeoning, wow, I cannot talk today, burgeoning system of death. That's the one. <laughs> That's the word. It's a fancy word. Um, so here's what I want to know. Why would the first one set things up that way? Mm. Now, does this feel like the first one's place priority on death? Am I reading too much into that? Or is it just because that's what the brokers focus on? Uh, there's an eight in that sentence. So or eight. 
<laughs> that just the broker's that. focus. <laughs> that one is because I hastily wrote that on my phone when I got off work today. Got it. Okay. I'm just curious. I was like, <laughs> what's with the eight? <laughs> Allie's on the struggle bus. It's fine. Oh, okay. No, the eight's right next to the eye. Never mind. Oh, I'm giving you crap for nothing. <laughs> Almost killing me in the process. Oh, right. yeah, there you go. Uh, so I don't know. There's a lot of things about the first ones that I want to know. And <laughs> for example, the number one thing that I want to know is hey, first ones, just, this whole thing seems completely arbitrary and set up in a very weird manner. Um, like, why does it require Curians to get you to the Shadowlands? Hmm, seems weird, but whatever. We'll just ignore that. And say that's how they have to get there. Okay, so they they, they get their little fairies to take them. Not the ones from Martinville, the other ones. Um, <laughs> you know. And they bring you over to the Shadowlands. Now, yeah, I don't know. The first ones, I don't know. The first ones are like Lucy. They got some splanning to do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. But yeah, like, I mean, the, the broker here is saying that it requires the moral souls to sustain the system. So why was the system made that way? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I I get the idea that it requires the mortal souls to sustain the system. And it's the super important duty of the Curians to pick them up and bring them here to sustain the system. But I don't know. That just seems a little, seems a little weird that it, it requires the, the you know, the, the uh, a tour guide to get your butt over to the afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel... Even though this book doesn't have a whole lot of answers. new information or answers that we really wanted and we're hoping to get, there are these little threads that are popping up, especially as we learn more about the first ones that we just we're just starting to pull on here because mm-hmm. we want to know things. Yeah, there are definitely little little tiny nuggets of things to pay yeah. attention to, like 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 we talked about in the last episode the the origins of of the loon, and you're like. Wait, what? What? You know, things like that. That I, uh, yeah. I've been scratching my head about and sitting here going, why can't you just tell me, dude? Because <laughs> I want us to keep playing. So, <laughs> uh, Kyrestia. Ky- Ky- why can't I notice her name? Ky- Ky- Kyrestia. I'm not even going to give you crap. I can't say it either. Kyrestia. Yeah. I keep wanting to put another, another R in there. Like ever. Like always. Kyrestria. There you go. Yep. Right. So the Archonist <laughs> <laughs> established this path for the Kyrians. She apparently embodies the virtues required for the Kyrians to follow the path. And as we know, there's a temple for each. I'm not going to get into that. Something I do want to mention, though, is from the book. And it's how the system works between the Kyrian and the spirit healers who bring us back to life. Because there are still people in the community who are a bit confused on how all that works. And it does actually get explained a little bit in the book. A little bit. So basically, some Kyrians are dubbed the Watchers. And they dictate when a mortal still clings to mortality and they get raised by the spirit healer. And they're fine. But if they don't have that tether to mortality anymore, they're ready to be transported. They ring up the Kyrian bearers. And the bearers bring them to Shadowlands, you know, that mortal soul with all this delicious anima. And uh, they bring him over to Oribos and the Arbiter. Yeah, so like for those of you who are wondering how that all works out with the Kyrians and Spear Healers, that's that's what... I mean, 
on one hand, like it kind of felt to me like the writers had to pull this out in order to kind of explain the difference between spirit, healer, spirit healers and death death. Kind of. It feels like this is another, not quite corner they wrote themselves into, but they had to make an attempt to explain how that all works. Yeah. It, it feels like just another one of those examples of, well, we're going to the afterlife, guys. The afterlife. But haven't we kind of been there about 26,000 times? And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's just the... It's just like the, the the death realm on Azeroth, right? We got these spirit healers. It's they're basically having to like inject lore into game mechanics, and it's it's kind of funny yeah. to watch them try. <laughs> it is, and and I I have to give them credit for trying, and because they they know you know, us folks in the lore community want to know things and explain everything and have them explain everything. So, uh, kudos for trying. <laughs> <laughs> They're Kyrians, guys, and they're Kyrians that just stay in one spot, and then they give you red sickness. Try and explain that one, Blizz. Red sickness. Give me the lore there. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like I need to go look at my main and see what her death count is. Oh, mine's in the twenty thousands. It really is. Yeah, it's, I'm sure mine is too. So should I combine her and like my other tunes? Hmm. Might share that on Twitter too. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, something else that I do want to point out in this chapter is it talked about how if a soul can't complete the path, uh, not just a soul, like a Kyrian, if a Kyrian can't complete the path, if they fail to ascend, they actually get basically exiled and sent back to the Arbiter for reassignment. Normally, not a big deal. However, multiple times in this chapter, Talor actually talks about how that path to ascension can take eons. You know, time is not a construct of death, but apparently it feels like it takes forever. Which means that there are those walking the path that started before the Arbor got busted up. And then if they fail, I'm guessing they got sent back to the Arbiter and then straight to the Maw. That's yeah. what I'm reading from this. That'd suck. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, that's like, probably what happened or they're just like waiting in limbo, at, at, you know, in Orbos going like, well, that sucks. One <laughs> or the other. Probably straight to the mall, though. So especially if they like have some special exile ritual, they're like, get out of here. They like send them back. It's just like a soul soul. Yeah. Then they'd probably go straight to the mall. That would be not great. Oh, well. So here's a random thought. And this could be just me not remembering. The covenants know that the arbor is broken, right? Now they do. Well, now. Okay. Now they do. As of 9-1. Yeah, for sure. As of 9-1. Right. They and I'm assuming because they continue to do their carrying, you know, flappy flap, go get the dead souls, bring them back. And I'm assuming they didn't know that all those souls were going straight to the Maw. No, no, they didn't. In fact, uh, okay. if you go through the uh, Kyrian campaign, you help out a Kyrian, go pick up a soul and drop them in the Maw. And you're like, oh, you didn't know? Why are you guys still doing this? <laughs> Maybe you should stop. Awkward. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah, because yeah, I was just thinking, like, if they knew that the arbor is broken and the Ma is, you know, where everyone goes now, maybe they would just hang on to them and be like, hey, you can't ascend. You don't have to go to the Ma, but you can't stay here. So maybe just hang out in this corner over here and we'll figure out what to do with you later. Um, thanks for trying. <laughs> Peace out. I don't know. They should, maybe they should just pull a Devos and just be like, I don't know. You seem. You seem okay. I'll put you over here. 
great. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Devo's trapped Arthas in the Maw, but eh, maybe you can be like, I don't know. We're just going to throw them all in Revendreth because that's the best bet. Everyone's got something to atone for. Put them in there. It's better than nothing. True. <laughs> True. That's what I had done. If I was the Archon, I'd be like, maybe. go stick with Revendreth. Why Revendreth? Everyone's got something to atone for. Yeah. There are other options, but we'll get to that in a minute because that's, that's interesting too. But anyways, uh, last but not least for this chapter, at least from me, the point is made at the end of this that us Azerothians are instrumental in the continued longevity and survival of the covenants. Considering how flippant the brokers can be towards us, it's interesting that they're starting to realize that we are actually useful and important. And the brokers are hoping that we'll help them in their efforts to uncover the secrets of the Shapers of the Shadowlands, aka the first ones. And we also learned that the Soulbind Forges that we all have in our covenants actually resemble artifacts attributed to the first ones. Oh, well, look at that. First ones all around. Cool. <laughs> first ones all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm seeing that meme. It's first ones all the way down? Always has been. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I mean, kind of. Yeah. Still like my dress. I want to know better. more. Treasure yeah, all the way down. <laughs> yeah, always has been. <laughs> exactly. Do you have anything else you want to say about this here chapter on the Bastion? Bastion? Mm, no. This is my least favorite of these four. <laughs> oh, all right then. It's not that there was anything wrong. That was, I think, out of all of the little interesting little tidbits that I could pull from. I didn't find any in there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't find a whole lot, but yeah. All right, so let's move on, because there are some things I'm actually really intrigued to talk about here. So the Revendreth chapter, chapter six, opens up talking about how the job of Revendreth is to oversee the redemption of the prideful and arrogant souls, as well as those who are known for their wrath and desire and avarice and envy and whatnot. As we now know, D.I.D. betrayed all of that, as well as his fellow eternal ones, Every realm in the afterlife draws upon the anima from the souls and terror. See what you did there. <laughs> that was me being sleepy. I wrote animal instead of anima. Because <laughs> when you're tired and you're writing notes, anima easily turns into animal. It's, it's fine. Just I know. Animal. Ah, <laughs> Picture the Muppets when they did Bohemian Rhapsody now. Mama? Oh my God, that was so good. Mama? <laughs> That was such a... Oh, my gosh. I'm going to watch that later now. Mama, mama, mama. <laughs> yep, that's going to happen. So, uh, every realm of the afterlife draws upon the anima from the soul sent there. But the event they were actually just straight up harvested from theirs. Yeah. Yeah. So, something that was new to me, or me, I just missed it somehow, Maze, because I haven't actually done... The full Revendroth campaign yet. I don't know. This whole time, I've been assuming that the Anima Drought was purely because the Arbiter broke. And then everything went to the bottom. Oh, no. No. Yeah, right. So as it turns out, either roughly the same time or a little before the Arbiter broke. I've heard both, depending on what source I'm looking at here. Um, Denathrius used the Spires of Revendroth to siphon the Anima from basically the air and the in-between. And, and then added it to his secret horde stash of it in the basement. Plus, you know, he's probably hoarding anima down there from the reliable workhorses and blah, 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 instead of sharing it with other covenants, just, just hoarding it down there. Just, just hoarding it, uh -huh. which I apparently missed that. 
Yeah, uh, I, I I missed the, some of the details. Like like I didn't know that he was using the spires of Castle Nathria basically to you know, suck it all in from even the outside. Like it's I don't know, like you're sucking in the humidity right out of the air or something. Didn't know that. Um, it's probably why all the freaking devourers started showing up too, because he was like pulling it right out of the in between. So good job there, Daddy D. Yeah, that explains that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so, I think the other thing that we learned here is that, um, and, and this is just now my official speculation, is since it was Denathrius's job to siphon up all as much of the anime as he could, hoard it for himself, don't share it with anybody, gimme, 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 I've pretty much come around to the opinion that it was Denathrius that basically shot the Arbiter because he held that anima. So, that's my assumption. Yeah. Now. And we're definitely going to talk about that right now, actually. So, <laughs> no, look at that. I didn't see <laughs> I forgot, that. I forgot great where minds. my notes I was. Bam. So, yes, great minds, right? Uh, I didn't know we were great minds, but we are. So, the the line from this is the from the, the book to, to Laura here. The drought's devious architect claimed to be just another victim of his tragedy. So, at first I'm like, is that because Daddy is hoarding it? Is that why he is the architect of the drought? Is it because he's stealing it from the sky? Or did he actually have something to do with the Arbiter breaking? Now, there are some, and, and I'm processing this theory as we're kind of talking this out because I'm not sure how I feel yet. So there are some that say that that red beam is actually just a crazy amount of anima from the anima horde down there that just you know shot right through her and took her out. Now, there are some that are actually suggesting that it was Ramornia. Because they're saying that if you listen to the cinematic, there's just a split a split moment there where you can almost hear the Ramornia scream. Not the really thirsty ones she does when she's doing the lens across the thing, but not the thirst some trap. other... <laughs> yeah, not not those. Not, not, not the moaning screams, but like some of her other screams. Like there's this brief second where you can actually almost hear her scream. And so there are some people that are saying maybe it's Ramornia. So what are you... Let's, let's dive into this some more here. What are you thinking? Well, I mean, I really like the idea of it being Argus. But the more I thought about it... I did too. It felt originally. like, you know, Sylvanas, Denathrius, all these. They're clearly the architects of all this kind of stuff. Had no way of controlling that. That just would have been like a pure coincidence, basically. And I feel like they were setting up a story where this was something in their control. And just the the fact that Denathrius is pretty much the one that was doing everything, like all the heavy lifting, um, because, you know, the jailer didn't really have much access outside the Maw other than what Sylvanas was doing back on Azeroth. So, yeah, I'm going to go with, yeah, it's totally Denathrius. And uh, was it Remornia? Mm-hmm. Totally could have been. Also could have just been like, beep, pew, with freaking animal laser or something. <laughs> could have been. I went back and listened to it once when I was doing show notes. I was like, oh, maybe that is Remordia. If you actually like really listen to it. I'm like, oh, maybe. But yeah, like for the longest time, I was convinced I was Argus because he's, you know, death god dude. And he's, uh, you know, <laughs> the maker. He's a maker, right? And so I'm like, it just logically makes sense. Like a maker is on, you know, making what the Arbor is doing. It's fine. And it just, it, it, the timing of it and all that just... And he goes all red in the mythic phase. And so, like, it just, it all made sense to me. And that's what I've wanted to leave this entire time. But as we're learning more about this plot, 
and how far back it started and the 5D, 10D chess that's going on with it, it, it is actually feeling more and more that it's not just some coincidental, that just happens to be when Argus was killed. No, like it's probably actually very planned out and it would actually make sense that it was Denethrius. Yep, I agree. Definitely seems like it was something that he would have done. And he would have been like, hey, Ramonia, you want to go kill something that me and my siblings created? Mm-hmm. We just randomly were like, you know what, Zoval, you're a jerk. And then like 38 million years later, I was like, you know that jerk? He kind of had a point. So let's go stab that thing. Yeah. But he would have probably would have said it with a much cooler voice actor than what I just did. <laughs> True. But <laughs> I, I do... It, it, as we learn more, we're finding out more and more just, as you said, Denathrius did a lot of the heavy lifting. And to consider everything Denathrius has done and how quickly Zoval just dismissed him, it was like, it's fine. We're, we're done. I'm done with him. Like, it just really shows you that lack of loyalty from Zoval. And it just, it feels heavier now, now that we know, or at least have a better idea of just everything Denathrius has done. To make this plan work. Yeah. If it wasn't for Denathrius, none of this crap would have probably would have worked. Especially if he was the one who broke the arbiter. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. I think that would have been a no-go. You know, negative Ghost Rider. The pattern is full. Nope. Can't do it. So, yeah. Go Denathrius. I'm kind of curious now that uh, we know in uh, 9-1 that, you know, they, they got the sword back. And I wonder what Denathrius is going to think about Zoval just going like, beep, he served his role. I wonder if he was going to be like, hey, remember me? That guy who did all the freaking dirty work? And then you just left high and dry? Thanks for that. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get you back. <laughs> I have a feeling that might That happen. will be interesting. Yeah, I can totally see them doing I that. I definitely will. Yeah, I definitely want to see how that all plays out. Because Daddy D going to be angry. Unless that was somehow all still a part of the plan. Nah. I don't, I don't know. That seem Make it seem like the plan, you know, failed when really it's all part of the plan kind of idea. I don't know if the part of the plan was a bunch of mile walkers showing up and beating up Denathrius. Well, that's true. So. Or maybe it was because of Sylvanas. Mm, I guess we'll see. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, we could be this for a bit. And we have more things to talk about. Now, we know about the different stories leading up to different wards, blah, 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 blah. Our broker friend here goes on to say it is clear that the first ones never intended for this place of atonement to serve as the front lines of conflict against those forces that exist beyond the realms of death yeah that was that was a maldraxis <laughs> right <laughs> now it's just it's curious that these realms were supposedly created or you know ordered by the first ones and you know, not not, and I'm not just talking about the realms within Shadowlands. I'm talking about of all the cosmos, you know, light, void, death, order, all of that, right? They're created or ordered by the first ones, however that worked out. And yet one realm is going to attack another. So what were the first ones thinking? Like, did the first ones not get along? Is there some kind of sibling rivalry? And is it a case of, because we still don't know if it was all ordered by all the first ones together? Or if there's maybe one first one heading up or that was basically in charge of each realm. Like, we, we don't know these things. But just like, what is going on? Like, did the first ones just like 
set it and just let it how go how it's gonna go? <laughs> like, did they know that eventually all these forces were going to collapse into a cosmic disco disco war? I mean, maybe, maybe they just did that because they thought it would be funny. Because why else would they do it? I don't know. They're like, we're gonna set up this reality that is eventually going to collapse into chaos. So, so, so disorder wins. Well, not really, because order is gonna fight back. Well, why would you do this? Oh, kind of funny. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. We're bored. We've been around for a while. Kind of by ourselves. Yeah. It's entertainment, really. I'm the first one. We're just all one big coliseum of entertainment for them. Yeah, we created the second ones, and they were kind of boring. So now we decided to create a reality. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so would the second ones be the pantheons. So we've seen the pantheon of order, you know, Titans. We've seen the pantheon of death. I mean, we're probably, assuming there's a pantheon of life. It probably were, but it seems like they were created at different times because it also talked about how Kyrestria was the firstborn or something like that. And then, you know, like the Winter Queen just suddenly showed up in her forest. Right. So they were definitely right. created. True. There was, uh, there was a, a beginning to the uh, to the eternal ones. It's not very eternal, if you ask me. It almost feels like some kind of pyramid scheme. Like I can see Jim from the office, like get his chart out to explain Michael when he's, you know, falling victim to a pyramid scheme. Right. He's like, Hey, you got the, you got this first one up here. Right. And the first one creates a bunch of other ones called the, the, the eternal ones. And then the eternal ones are going to create their lieutenants. And then there's a little, people, you know, Faye down each, here, like the more people dredgers, the more like, people who are investing put the together, more money pyramid. You, you it's see not it? a pyramid scheme. It is a, it's not even a scheme per se. It's, it's a pyramid. And then Jim draws a triangle around the entire little <laughs> illustration <laughs> that he did. <laughs> I have to go make a call. <laughs> Mike's like, I gotta go make a call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I absolutely can. <laughs> it's the the great everything in Great Dark Beyond is just all one big pyramid scheme. It's it's fine. Mm-hmm. One big pyramid scheme coliseum. Yeah, I mean you can think of the first ones as uh, the uh, the original Bernie Madoff. There you go. Bam, we figured it out. Yep. Good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all big Ponzi scheme. Bam. Right. <laughs> So, do you have anything else you want to add to all that? Mm, no. I mean, I like that the Arbiter probably broke because of Denathrius. And then all that. And then, yeah, I mean, the first ones, I mean, we can probably talk more about them when we get to Chapter 8. Because that's probably where some of the interesting first one stuff was. Right. So, and we'll, we'll dig into a lot more in Chapter 9 with the next episode. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, one last thing with the, the Raven Death that I found interesting uh, within the Venthyr Covenant, Daddy D, again, direct quote from the book, dabbled in forbidden rituals he sought to keep from the eyes of his fellow eternal ones. What do you think was what's, uh, what's, what's, he what's he up to? What's he up to? Uh, uh, you know, forbidden rituals of sucking animal right as the air or something. I don't know. Probably something like that. And it could be. I mean, logically, it sounds like that would be the answer. Why would that be forbidden? I don't know. Who, 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 for, who forbade him from doing it? That's a good question. You know what I mean? For bad. <laughs> if you are the eternal ones, don't you make the rules? Doesn't he like to yell, I am Revendreth? So he can get he can do whatever he wants. Maybe know. out of I mean, maybe amongst the Venthyr and Revendreth it wouldn't be forbidden. But maybe if the other eternal ones found out, they'd send him to the Ma too? 
Well, okay, well, maybe that's true. I mean, we we have seen examples of someone getting voted off the island, so. <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It's just, I, I can't think of what else he would be involved in. I don't know. Maybe he is, a, I don't know. It probably has something to do with his, uh, do 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 Yeah, the dreadlords probably digging up information about the sepulcher, the first ones, and things like that. Maybe? I mean, they probably, it's why they they talked about it in this chapter where it's like the Ember Ward was why it happened was all hushed among nobility, and he was probably like, oh, you know, I created a bunch of spies and they're infiltrating some stuff and, I mean, shh, 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 no, it's, <laughs> nope, nope, they attacked us with that provocation and I don't know why Maldraxxus didn't come to our aid, it was very weird, this is very weird. Just go talk to the Primus. Oh, wait, where's the Primus? Oh, my gosh, I don't know. So. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> or may- maybe, um, I might be stretching here, but maybe he has an idea of what Zoval's up to. But maybe Denathrius is the one who ultimately wants to find the sepulcher and gain, you know, all that knowledge and power and whatnot and take out Zoval. So maybe if Zoval finds out. Hmm. Maybe these rituals are helping him find. I, like I said, it's a, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. I don't know. Maybe he. Maybe Denathrius knew that Zoval would betray him, and so he's you know participating in these forbidden rituals to find out his own knowledge where he can. Well, I mean, so far Denathrius is a far cooler, uh, you know, bad guy than uh, Zoval because I can understand him. Zoval <laughs> 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 is like, I'm like, what? <laughs> Denathrius, <laughs> he, he speaks the king's English. <laughs> and the you're like, king's English. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. I can really understand you there. He is really smooth. You can't deny that. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, you doing, Jin? Do you like that condemnability? I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, you can say thank you to me. Like, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It's really good. <laughs> That's exactly how that conversation would go. It kind of was. I mean... He was there when he kind of originally <laughs> taught me that thing. He was like, check it out there, Fury Warrior. You should totally hang with us. And I'm like, God, I'm the, the Necker Lords. They're so much cooler than you, but oh my gosh. I, got, I kind of, when I picked the Necker Lords, I was kind of crying a little bit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will say, my friend Toasty is in the Venthyr, and he really loves that as a warrior. Every warrior loves it as a warrior. <laughs> Just saying, just saying. I'm just saying. Okay, I, there was a, like a there was like a percentage where it's like so many warriors are in this covenant, so many warriors are in this covenant. Just saying, right. lords, not even on the charts. We're not even there. So, so I am officially like, uh, you know, the dude from Arrested Development. Go. Stop booing. There's nothing wrong with it. There are dozens of us. Dozens. dozens. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Anything else about Revendreth? No, I got nothing. Shall we move on to Maldraxxus? Yeah, let's do it. The, the abandoner of Maldraxxus. I'm not abandoning them. They, they know where my heart lies. <laughs> All right, chapter seven. So the realm of unending conflict, the home of Shadowlands' immortal army. The book says, when the will of the first ones forged the Shadowlands, it is evident that they saw a need to protect the realms of death from any outside influence that might threaten it. Mm-hmm. So again, I ask, <laughs> the first ones knew that these battles would happen. 
Mm-hmm. Are they just being that hands off? Like, what is happening with this? They prepared for these realms that they're creating to go to war. See, I, Why? I don't think they were like, these guys are totally going to go to war. These guys are going to... I think it was more of like, a, well, we're going to build some stuff. And, well, ultimately, we know how life usually goes. It's really greedy and they like to they like to, you know, expand and conquer and they do all this, you know. And they're like, well, why don't we create life the other way? Did you see what happened in the other dimension where they created it that way? It just fall fell to crap. So you gotta put it in the like you just gotta put it in the default operating position. They're just gonna attack each other. So you're just gonna put in some contingency plans. And in this in this crazy uh, scenario, there are multiple first ones in multiple different dimensions. So just go with it, okay? So there was one dimension. Where, okay, maybe it was like the first ones already created like multiple universes and this is just the best one that's lasted longest. Or maybe this is the first go and they're just like, I don't know, maybe we'll just throw some some defense in there just in case. Because maybe they're just super infallible and they're just, they don't know what they're doing. And they're just, they're very powerful, but they're like, I think, I think we'll do this. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Yep, that's the first ones. Really bad at their jobs. <laughs> yes. Allie is Googling something. Cause she's, I am. Apparently I said something that I was, and she was like, somehow I can fit sliders into this conversation because basically Jen no, just did that. No, but I wish I could. That'd be amazing. Well, I mean, I, I basically like did. I failed because I didn't fit sliders in here. Um, no, I just had a really random thought, and so I had to do a Google really quick. And I, don't, I don't think I'm right. Because you were talking about they had to put, you know, things in motion and blah, blah, blah. It made me think of Algalon. Algalon, the, the Conservers. Yes. He was just watching, right? He was, he right, was he was watching. just watching. And I, ha- I, had, I had to take a second and be like, is he actually maybe more associated with the first ones instead of the Titans? But now that I'm thinking about it in more detail, he's not. He's just, just associated with the Titans. It's fine. And we should probably just edit this out. No, I think the Constellars is basically the uh, Blizzard's version of, they're like, hey, you know what's really cool in Marvel? Those big bald-headed dudes called Watchers. Let's make ours made out of stars. <laughs> Basically, yes. I mean, it, it definitely feels that way. But I was like, I had this brief second where I ha- wondered if they were like, maybe like secretly working for the first ones and not the Titans. But they were technically sent by the Titans. So, Well, I mean, that's the thing. And in, in the burp, 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 in the Chronicle, it doesn't actually say what the origins of the consoles are. Right. They just said that the Titans are like, hey, you guys are really cool. Watch that. I uh, true, true. Huh. Maybe I could be wrong. I am sometimes, but I don't think I am in this case. Uh, I believe they just said, "Hey, the Constellars, these these you know, celestial beings that are just out there somewhere, and they just do things." Cool. So, I mean, yeah. they're according to you know Wapedias and whatnot. They're a mysterious celestial race known to the Titans. Just a mysterious celestial race known to the Titans. Yeah. See, they just know about them. They just employed them. They're like. They're like that five-year-old that uh, you told, hey, kid, watch this for a second. And you handed him five bucks. And he's like, thanks, mister. That's like in the movies. I've never done that. <laughs> never, right? Nope. Never, ever? Mm-mm, never. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that was a total stretch. And if we edit that out, that's fine. I just had this brief like moment of like, I apparently need to process this like right now. Um, Yeah. Sweet. Adding jinx aside that later. Um, so moving on, the book talks about the five houses, the Margraves and Barons working into that. The Prime has vanished before the Anima Drought set in. But it says the Prime has vanished before the Anima Drought set in, and their arbiter ceased her judgment of souls. 
It's not a Prime's vanished before the Amma drought set in, or the Arbor Ceasing Souls, or due to the Arbor Ceasing. So it's kind of just, again another example of how the Arbor breaking is not the only reason for the drought. Right. Yeah. It was just, I don't know. For me, for me, that was a light bulb. So, yeah, it was basically just confirming that the Primus was suspicious of what was going on long before he, you know, had any concrete proof. The Arbiter was still, you know, plugging along, do, 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 working just fine. And, but the Primus is like, man, I got a, I got a bad feeling. My brother is up to no good. So, uh, he had to go, he had to go investigate. And then, whoops-a-doodle, he was right and got himself caught. Whoops. Whoops-a-doodle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Primus devised a unique language of intricate symbols, each individually representing a specific word, tied to the very foundations of Maldraxxus, a.k.a. domination magic. Yeah. Now this, so, we got that confirmation. Yeah, this was news to me. I like. I knew he was like... The dude who, like, was really good at it. I didn't know he invented the language. So there you go. Right. Yeah. Um, so us mortals, you know, the DKs among us, do some reinforging. And now the brokers think that they f- find a way to do it. Um, but this um, domination magic is how Zoval is trapped in the Maw, which we all knew. And at this point, I was reading, I got really excited because it looked like they were leading up to actually give us and giving us information about the Zoval. Yep, the Zoval getting trapped in the Maw. Uh, and no dice. They yeah. say, what crime could have been committed that would warrant such a sentence, su- such a sentence? Such answers are unknowable to us, of course. I like, mean- of course. What is this? Of course, crap. <laughs> Just tell me, like, I want definitive, like, boom, this is why Zoval is in the mall. Yeah. Why we send him there. That's It'd why be nice if it was in a book, but I mean, we at least we got that in the end of uh, 9-1, where the Primus was like, hey, dude, uh, we locked him up because he went, um, he went a little kooky, and he was going to unmake reality, so we're like, you can't do that. That is for bad. No, <laughs> you cannot do that. We have voted you off we the did. island. Right. Like, I'm glad we did finally get that. And we are finally getting some of these answers. But I don't know. I just I was hoping to read about it in this book and have it have more detail and have it a little more, you know, fleshed out than it is in the game. So oh, I agree. I want a little more. Maybe later, but not now. Yeah. Not may- this book. Maybe it would explain like the jailer planned to harness the power of all of the sigils to do X, Y and Z. Blah, blah, blah. This is how he's going to make reality. Not just this like, hey, seek some forbidden knowledge in the sepulchre. What forbidden knowledge? <laughs> You're not going to get me like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not telling you. It's <laughs> forbidden. <laughs> ah, dang it. <laughs> so there you go. That's so it. at this point, it goes on. And the brokers assume this means that it was the Primus who sealed the jailer away in the maw, which we all knew that. Um, but we actually find out a little bit more about that in a second here. Um, but, you know, the brokers are starting to realize these things now. And the brokers also assume that over time, the jailer harnessed that power and instead used it to get out of his prison. Which, you know, we, we're, we're knowing about things of that, with that now. So, anything you want to mention about that? No. He's, uh, okay. he's stuck him down there. <laughs> Good job. He did, but he, he did, but he had help. Yep. Which we'll get to that. But, so, so Mr. Mr. Uh, Necrolord here. Or Necrolord Heart here, I should say. There's one thing I want to bring up. 
What's that? One of the necro one of the necrolord abilities is called fleshcraft. Uh-huh. Totally normal. Uh-huh. Yep. Its ability to shape the bone and sinew of Maldraxxus through the art of fleshcraft. Yeah. It's normal, right? So the bone and sinew of Maldraxxus. Once again, I've I'm asking since from the beginning, is Maldraxxus alive or was it at one point? No. It has bone and sinew? It, like, yeah, it kind of talked about this a little bit in the book, just a little bit. It basically explained that, well, the first ones, as we've already kind of covered, kind of dumb. Maybe they didn't know. They were like, eh, we can't build a world without violence and just terrible stuff, so we got to protect this. Okay, so they're like, eh, we're going to create Maldraxxus. And they're like, okay, what's this place going to be like? I don't know. This is going to produce some stay stuff and... They're going to build some... Make the Primus do it. So they basically said, Hey, Primus, you can make this place whatever you want it to be. And they're like, well, What do you mean by that? We made it fleshy. <laughs> There's bones <laughs> there, too. fleshy. This <laughs> was squishy. There's, like, the section of where they keep the farts. That's the, the plague quarter. It's, you know, never yeah. underestimate the power of stink. Okay, so... <laughs> That's what's going on over there. Then there's like this whole little area where your rituals. They got the bones everywhere up there. And then there's lots of bones. You get the idea. That's what she said. Happens. <laughs> 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 and then, uh, and yeah, so it basically says that the Primus could shape Maldraxxus to whatever he needed it to be. They're like, hey there, Primus. You can just do your little thing and flesh shape it. And then he taught people how to do that to make little green bubbles that I swear I totally remember to use all the time. I use it whenever <laughs> I can. He's totally not shaking his head right now. Nope. nope. No, not mm-hmm. at all. No, I totally remember to use that thingamabob. Mm-mm. I don't wait for other people also in the Necrolord Covenants to remind me, oh yeah, I should use that as they're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> now, to, in your defense, I, you know, my, my DK is Necrolord and... I did time walking for Wrath. That's another thing I didn't mention. I did a whole bunch of the, I did 14 of the Wrath time walking dungeons, but five of those were for my DK and I forgot to use it about half the time. So I understand. Hey, just forget. Should make a yeah. week or something. I'm sure there probably is. Yeah. It's like, a big thing on your, on your sc- icon on your screen. Use this. <laughs> do it. Cool down. Do it. Do it. That's what I should just say. Just shy Leboff going, do it! <laughs> there you go, just like that. Mm-hmm. You ready for, ready for the next chapter? Yeah, let's go to the Maw, because, you know, oh wait, we can skip it now, right? <laughs> not yet. Yeah, about that. <laughs> not yet. It's not, not 915 yet. yet. We have to do the Maw. Sorry, guys, we got to do the Maw intro. So let's go. All right, here we go. Now, I had to laugh, because at one point earlier in the book... Was it earlier in the book or was it chapter nine? I don't remember anymore. But they're they're basically mocking the Titans because the Titans don't know things, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, in the beginning of this chapter, Talor here is all like, before we begin, I feel I must disclose that unlike the Ve who plunged headlong into peril, I have not personally ventured into the Maw to confirm the accounts record- recorded here. While I have taken every other step necessary to ensure my grimoire's accuracy, I draw the line of thrusting myself into an inescapable prison. Mm-hmm. Basically saying, unreliable narrator. Yeah. Basically what he's saying is <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm talking about. 
Have you ever heard of hearsay? Because that's what this all is. <laughs> I assure you, I, d- I did my research, okay? Just chill. But I'm sitting here thinking, like, so you're just another unreliable narrator. I mean, considering that we found out earlier in the book that they didn't realize that anima is not a currency for other worlds and realities. Like, they don't know everything. They like to act like they know everything, but they don't. And so... We do get a little bit of a... No, nope, I really don't. Hey, we might be unreliable narrators here. And so it does kind of make you question a couple of things being said here and there. So I thought it was just worth bringing that up. You know, it might be some grain of salt things coming up here soon. And if not this chapter, the next chapter. Yep. Because, well, but yeah. So as for this chapter, uh, we do get more confirmation that rarely any souls were sent straight to the Maw for banishment. They were, you know, if they were just the horrible worst souls ever. They were like 99.9% of the time still sent to Revendreth, even if they only had just a slim chance of redemption, which explains why Garrosh is in Revendreth or was in Revendreth. Tell he went, I'm a Polish. <laughs> still love watching that cinematic. Um, also, what we learned that I found really interesting, there are some afterlife locations that are basically just temporary punishments for souls who merit it. Oh. So they don't have to go necessarily to Revendreth if they just need a little bit of punishment. Come on, don't let me have just a little bit of peril. No, don't help. Before they can move on to what they're going to do, there's there's a place for that. Just like there's an app for that, there's an afterlife for that. So there are temporary realms where you go get spankings or something. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not say spankings. I would have been smirking or something like frozen with a smirk. No, definitely not. But apparently that's what you want. That's Jin's afterlife right there. It's punishment, everybody. It's punishment. <laughs> Quote unquote punishment. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's good. It's so fine. it's fine. It's fine. So there are afterlives that are actually just meant to be temporary punishments for souls who merit it. So if they don't, if they don't need a full redemption, bad, bad suit, or not redemption, um, atonement, for example, they just need just like a mini, a mini atonement. There's a, there's an afterlife for that. Just like there's an app for that. There's an afterlife for that. There's an afterlife. You need a swift kick of the ass. There's an afterlife for that. <laughs> right. And so bringing it back to earlier in, in the, in the episode, we were talking about the Kyrians who failed to ascend and, you know, now that they know that the, the Arbiter is broken and if they send things to the Arbiter, it's just going straight to Maw, maybe instead they send them to one of these afterlife realms. I feel like it's just, I feel like it's a little weird that Blizzard inserted this little bit of information on there if it's not going to come into play later on. Yeah, maybe they'll be like, hey, everybody, you know about Purgatory, right? It's here too. We got Purgatory. <laughs> right. And... I mean, I've been calling for, since Alpha for Shadowland scenarios. Maybe in Shadowland scenarios, if it ever comes out, we will see one of these afterlives where it's just a temporary punishment location. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, kind of. It kind of sounds like they would uh, possibly roll these out for something like, uh, you know, those little Legion invasions where we'd go to like different worlds, something like that. Yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that yeah. Was- I just I. F- I just felt like that was an interesting little nugget that kind of slid in there. So I was like, hmm. Yeah. Why did they purposely put that in there? Because they're going to they're gonna go to the realm where they would send uh, weird people that deserve certain weird punishments. And uh, that's what they get. Just temporary. You get the idea. 
They're just like, you need to go over here for a little bit of punishment. <laughs> and then you can go back to your where you're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Just a little temporary. Mm-hmm. Arbiter's a little weird, I guess. It's like, you, you can go over here for a little bit. This is a punishment. Think of it as a reward. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. I can't even. Oh, my God. There's so many jokes, but we keep this show clean. So I'm going to go ahead and move on. (laughs) So because I am breaking now. So now there's there's a quote I want to read from this. And uh, the book says, or, you know, Talora here says, now I fear that Zoval did not act alone. I suspect he had ancient allies and will seek to win others to his cause. Now, this ancient allies thing has been brought up a couple times. Who are these ancient allies? Is it the first ones? Is it a particular first one? But then why would they be allies if he's seeking after them and their knowledge and sepulchre and whatnot? Like this, this is just, this is something that's been sticking to my head for a while now. And I want to know more about ancient allies. I mean, the way I kind of read that is because Specifically, this was actually a quote for the Primus that said this. Uh, this is actually one of the direct quotes from the from the game. And I th- right. think he was probably saying his ancient allies uh, were basically saying that, well, he used to be aligned with all of us, and now he is aligned with, um, you know, Revendreth. And that's multiple allies, because it's not just Denathrius. He's got a whole bunch of people there. So I'm assuming that's what he meant by that. But, hey could be more there could be more allies out there you never know never know but i I, i've always just uh viewed that and read that on face value as denathrius and all his buddies from revendreth so yeah but would the buddies from revendreth be considered ancient allies well i mean some of them would be allies plural Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm not saying that you couldn't be couldn't be right i just did i'm just saying i didn't read into it i was just like denathrius is buddies and you were like Denathrius and a couple of first ones. Oh snap! <laughs> so could be. You never know. Well, and again, this is this is me processing as we're recording, which you know, super professional here. I I don't know if it could actually be their first ones because there's that logically doesn't work out. Yeah, because maybe they're dead. Because, or whatever. <laughs> they might be dead because they cycle. Plus, Zaval's not happy with what they've done. He's looking for a sepulcher and all their knowledge and blah blah blah. blah. So strike that. I don't think it's the first ones. Ignore me. But if it's not the first ones, and I I don't, I, I personally don't know if the Primus was talking about Denathrius here. Because if the Primus is saying it's an ancient ally, it makes me think that it's someone else. Maybe even from another realm. It's Thros. Maybe. Maybe it's one of those. Because he's, he's got the armor, right? We talked about the armor. Uh-huh. Could be. Or maybe so it's, it's one it's of those really kinky realms. Like, ooh. <laughs> Killing me, man. Killing me. <laughs> the temporary punishment Like, realms. hello. <laughs> I it? mean, he does show a lot of nipple there for a while. So. Yeah, he did. I'm just saying. He looks <laughs> he looks like a serious dom right there. Bam. How you doing? Um, yeah. What is it? <laughs> Excuse me? What did I say? I don't know. What's happening? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. So <laughs> Ramornia visits often. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure she does. She knows what's up. So it wasn't just the Primus who banished the wall, we found out. 
it actually was all the internal ones. They had to basically basically unite in order to take him down. And base all came together and be like, and all like targeted him and do it together, apparently. So mm-hmm. it's not just the Primus. They used the Primus's, you know, domination magic that he devised and whatnot, but it was all of them together. We still don't have complete info on why he's there. I mean, we, we know most of it now, but I just, I feel like we're still just, I don't know. I just, I want more, more details, I guess, is what I'm hoping for. Me too. I feel like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm missing a lot of, a lot of details that would be very useful. And by the time, you know, 9-2... Possibly 9 3 if we're going to get a 9 3. I don't think we will. But it'd be nice if we would. Yeah, I don't know at this point. Yeah, at this point, it doesn't It does, It just doesn't feel like it's in the cards. I'd love it if it was in the cards because there's a lot of, lot here that I feel like they need to, uh, you know, flesh craft out. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> Smooth. That's good. That's good. Uh, yeah. See, I worry that my Shadowland scenarios were going to be 9 3, and now they're going to scrap all that. Yep. Yeah, very and we're gonna find we're gonna find out in like two expansions. Like we were gonna do shallow scenarios. I'm gonna be like, ah, no, I want them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nine three is probably when we're gonna go to the Emerald Dream too. Jerks. Mm-hmm. Maybe nine two. I don't. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know what they're gonna do. Uh, they're probably honestly they're they might still be figuring it out too. Completely <laughs> honest here. They got <laughs> they got some stuff going on. So they're doing their best. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Uh, da, 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 da. We get a reminder and confirmation that the jailer jailer's plans have been in motion for a long time now in the form of the Lich King. We don't get much new information here, nor do we actually get anything new about Savannah. There's a whole page from her and nothing really a whole lot new there. But we, we do get confirmation that she plunged the world into war to send Anima to the jailer, which we kind of already assumed. There's another bit that technically... It says she was the first one to enter the Maw and leave. She was the first Maw walker. So that means that the events of the Edge of Night may have actually happened. And it wasn't just a dream as some people think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it confirmed that she was the original Maw walker. Basically saying, and when it says Maw walker, I don't feel like that's 100% accurate. Because if we have to go based off of what the Edge of Night was... I mean, yeah, if you want to get completely literal, the, she left the mall. Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she didn't She didn't take a way, way portal, way gate thing. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, yep. She's the original mall walker, I guess. She's the OG. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the OG? Yep. Uh, we also get a page on Kethlazad. Um, Not tons of new info with him. Hey, we I do got some know new info. Kethel- Oh, yeah, was, was it about how he started the idea of the Neck Lords attacking Bastion by whispering in his master's head? No, apparently his phylactery was destroyed. Said it in the oh. book. Oh, yeah. Why did I not put that in the notes? Yeah. I was like, yeah, what the crap is this? Like, I was like, when did we do this? Yeah. Someone tell me. And then you'd be like, Jin, it's totally happened to the end of Wrath. Bubkiss, I say. Bubkiss. <laughs> yeah, I, I legit did not know that his phylactery was actually destroyed. Yeah, maybe that just happened off screen and I'm just like over here going like, okay. I'm I'm guessing it happened off screen because I think, I feel like I did a, did a little bit digging around with it when I did Wrath for Dungeon Fables and I don't remember. Like, I was I was convinced that his phylactery was still intact. Yeah, and they're just like, yeah, his phylactery got destroyed. And I'm like, who did it? Hmm? Who did it? Who killed all KT's phylactery? Probably happened in Heroes of the Storm or something. Something like that. Happened in or the maybe, Nexus. maybe her stone. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, it could have been. Or because they did a whole wrath thing. Or maybe it's just one of those loose ends that are like, oh, yeah, we forgot to put that in a game. It was, or it was like one quest line or something got scrapped or something. <laughs> and so they're like, let's just slip it into the book so they know the book. it was destroyed. <laughs> Make Jen happy. <laughs> Not happy. Yep. I feel like a silly little guy. Oh, well, it's fine. I still look, I don't remember breaking it. That's all I'm saying. Don't remember. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, we find that out. We find out basically his idea about the Necrolord is attacking Bastion by whispering in his master's head. Um, that started the Civil War, blah, 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 blah. All thanks to Kel'Thuzad. Nothing too big there, really. Yeah. He was like, hey, dude. Uh, hey, we're not Stradama. Sindane. Sindane. Whatever her name is. So like, hey, you should totally, <laughs> you should totally attack, the, attack the Bastion. It's like, why? Why would we attack the Bastion? Well, if we attack Bastion, we could get some really cool flesh. You ever make an abomination out of blue flesh? Well, no, but we're the House of Rituals. Why would we do this? Yeah, we ally with the House of Constructs. It'd be really cool. Okay, sure. We're bored. I don't know the Primus is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. So, Muzala had a section as well, which... Uh, we've, I feel like we've mentioned it briefly in past episodes, um, maybe, but basically it doesn't give us a whole lot of new info that you know, we didn't already learn from the other side or past things, whatever. We do get the reminder about how Bonsombi turned the tables on him, but you know, we already knew that because is awesome and the other side is a fantastic dungeon. Yeah, that is. There was a little bit in here that I wasn't like totally positive on because they talked about how Moizala was like hey Buon Zombie you want the other side I'll totally give it to you if you do this thing like and I was, so like Moizala was kind of working on that aspect and then when Buon Zombie was like well I'm gonna save these souls because they're really cool they're really cool they they, they like me these souls like me they, they're like they kind of worship me in a sense so I don't want them to go to the mall I'm gonna put them over here and Moizala like dude it's not part of the plan and then hence the dungeon <laughs> so there you go. Want those souls you be owing me. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. so on and so forth. Oh, and the best part, the best part about... <laughs> the best part about the whole thing is when you're reading the book. This actually made me laugh, obviously. <laughs> I'm laughing against retelling it. Is when uh, the broker was telling him about it was like, hey, and then this, this thing happened and it was disca- discussing the events of, of the uh, the dungeon. And it was like, and yet these two kept talking and they just wouldn't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He did say that. That I did get a, At least when I originally read it, like I, I got a freaking laugh at that. Uh, here we go. It was, it was in the course of the ensuing battle and by way of long meandering diatribes spouted by each of the vociferous Loa. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That was, I think I actually literally laughed out loud when I first read that. That was pretty great. Yeah. I, I, I had a, I had a good kick out of it because I was like, but this is the best. It was like the best part of the dungeon because Mazala was like one of those bad guys that couldn't help help but spill his guts. And it's like we need more bad guys like that in Shadowlands. Come on, Zavall, tell us all your plans like a James Bond villain, please. I need to know things. Right. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> so in the chapter, we also get a glimpse into what the brokers think about the Titans. Oh, here's where it is. I thought it was earlier in the book. It's now. He says. As with all information gleaned from voices sympathetic to the pantheon of order, I urge caution when deliberating its veracity. The biases of the titan-bound underlings are obvious, 
So while the broad facts of it of what follows can be considered accurate, please afford the details a wide margin of prejudicial error. Error. Mm-hmm. So the unreliable, unreliable narrator just called the Titans unreliable narrators. Yeah, they totally did. <laughs> All y'alls are unreliable. That's what I say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, before we jump into the, this next part, I, I forgot to mention when, it, when he, remember, uh, uh, the, to, to Laura was discussing that, uh, you know, freaking cartel they or whatever just jumped right into the mall and there are a bunch of crazy bastards in there. Right. I couldn't help but notice at one point uh, he specifically, or to Laura, whatever, specifically called out Venari. And I'm like, yes. Who did it? Who freaking told? <laughs> all right. We, we were sworn to secrecy. All right. Me and all my hundred thousand or so friends, uh, all the mall walkers, we were supposed to be, you know, mum's the word. Who freaking spilled the beans? Who did it? I'm just referring to Z Valley. No, definitely not me. I'm just checking. Apparently, Talora found out about what's going on with Venari, and I don't know. I just feel like someone has got some loose lips. Apparently, apparently it was a goblin. uh, (laughs) (laughs) True. It won't, no, apparently there's a. It did actually actually mention the goblin, yes. Yeah, 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 it was was a goblin. I guess I didn't put that in the notes because in my brain, I assumed he found out or Talora found out from another source from Venari herself, from the mad scribe. The mad scribe talks about Venari some, or we can easily imply. I don't think he actually mentions Venari by name, but I, I guess I kind of already assumed that they knew that Venari was down there somewhere, but couldn't find her. And that was the big thing. Possibly. But that might be me. Assuming things I shouldn't assume. Yeah, now I just assume it's, you know, some freaking goblin. I don't know, maybe we should talk to Katie and see, like, hey, what's going on with you and your buds? I know it wasn't her, because it was a, it was a, it specifically was a, was a wizard. It was a wizard goblin. So, it's one of them. Mage. You get the idea. <laughs> <laughs> wizard goblin. <laughs> a thumping good one. <laughs> Well played, well played. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, yeah, there's... Oh, yeah, that, that, I think that was cool. The hell you bit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, nothing... So the hell you, hell you got a page as well, or two pages or whatever. Not a whole lot new there. We already know pretty much most of it. I didn't go into any detail, really. I did think it was cool, though, to hear about her creating Helheim by shaping the fabric of reality, because that's that's easy to do, right? Yeah, I mean, for hell yeah, it is. Hell yeah, that's... Apparently. That's, that's kind of her forte. Because it was Helia that locked the um, the elemental lords in the different elemental planes. So right. she's just like, burp. and she's also the one that was like, oh, this old war bit. Let me just rip part of that section up and burp, burp, burp. I'm going to make the halls of valor. There you go, Odin. You're welcome. Uh, and then Odin went all senior psychopath uh, and said, uh, well, <laughs> sorry, Helia, but no one volunteered. So you have been voluntold. Uh, <laughs> you're going to be the next the very first Valkyr. And then eventually she broke uh, broke ties and she created Helheim. And th- this is the part that was interesting to me is that she created Hel- Helheim on the very edge of the Shadowlands. Because that was uh, actually one of the things that I remember Chronicle was actually mm, kind of wrong about. It said that uh, she had uh, bound Helheim to the depths of the oceans. Which is kind of true there because it's very spooky, very watery. Right? You get the Norse look. Right. Yeah, right, right. 
But apparently she created Helheim just whoop, like right there, like a little, almost like a little pocket dimension right there on the edge of the Shadowlands, which that was very interesting. And I was like, well, if anyone can do it, hell you can, because she's actually kind of awesome. And uh, Odin, Odin did her wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And I kind of, I, th- I think I underestimated her power. Well, yeah, because she was and, a great boss. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, not only was she just just Ray boss, but then I mean, Ragnaros was just Ray boss. Like it's it's a thing. But um, I don't know. I guess I just still like the thought of you know shaping the fabric of reality itself. I just thought that was that was huge. And um, like I said, I I underestimated her. So yeah. Um, Apparently, cool. we all did because even in the book, it talked about how uh, getting information on Helia was super easy because all of the Azerothians were like, oh, yeah, I totally kicked her ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, her? I beat her up like twice. Once on a boat, once down in Helheim. It was pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. Easy. Easy. Easy peasy. Now she shows up doing, making me deliver messages to Odin. It might be ash in his throat. Sweet. I mean, she's kind of a jerk, but I'll beat her up again. It'll be fine. <laughs> She's she's been through some things. I mean, to be fair, that's true. That's true. She's got some stuff to, to work through. Yeah, her and Odin. I don't see her doing that anytime soon. But oh, I actually want to see him face to face, like face off against each other. I just want him to like make friends again. Just be like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? How you doing, old buddy, old pal? I did you wrong. I'm, I apologize, or hell yeah, I'm sorry. You know, the first apology Odin ever gave. Because <laughs> you can right. tell that guy don't apologize. <laughs> yeah. He's never wrong. Mm-mm. Right. No, no, no. Well. Well, I think that's probably where we're going to leave that. Because like I said, chapter nine, it's the last chapter. But we've already been going for an hour and a half-ish almost. And uh, that's going to be pretty meaty. So we're going to say that for next time. It's like Meatwad and Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Mm-hmm. Just like him. Very meaty. <laughs> I've never seen that, so I'll take your word for it. He's a big meatball. He's a meatwad. He's just a wad of meat. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what they call meatwad. Who doesn't like a wad of meat? I mean, not me. <laughs> not, not a wad. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the uh, word I would use to describe the way I like my meat. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> All right. So moving on as we get ready to wrap up the show. Uh, no new reviews, but... We do have some patrons to thank. I was going to have Jen read this out, but uh, I'm going to read this out and then Jen can read the patrons. So, as was requested, <laughs> because Jen's dying, this show now has a Patreon where you can support the show and you know both of our habits by heading over to patreon.com slash live laugh floor and tossing us a little as little as a buck an episode. You don't have to sign up, but if you want to buy us a drink, you now have an option. And either way, whether it's Patreon reviews, telling your friends about us, or just simply listening, like we really appreciate all of you for all of your support. And you are all just wonderful. Yeah, you really are. So we do have some new patrons this week, which was a little overwhelming considering it was literally just the first week we ever announced it. So we get to say thank you very much to the following new patrons. Kellen P. Vanderlyle. Mud. What's going on, Mud? How you doing? Uh, Chris Malore. Dungeon Master Burke. Mm-hmm. Dungeon Master. Seriously, you should listen to his, uh, listen to World Building with Burke. It's a great, great show. Skull. How you doing, Skull? Uh, Mike Smith. And then, of course, like we said last time, 
the sneaky, sneaky people that discovered before. Uh, <laughs> before we talked about it on the show. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get to also shout out the uh, the fabulous, uh, you know, if you didn't know the the different tiers of the there, there are three total tiers. And, and you know, it's very funny. It's live, laugh and lore. So these are our lore patrons. <laughs> Die. <laughs> yeah, look at that. So, uh, yeah, we would just like to say thank you very much again to Anna and your chorus. Y'all rock. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. Seriously, all of you. It's just, like like Jen said, like, we, we didn't expect it so quickly. And here you are already being the first goal and just uh, kind of being way more awesome than we expected. So, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, I suppose we can jump into this little bit now, can't we? Yes. Stories. There's nothing in the world more powerful than a good story. As we have done for the last year, we like to end every episode on a positive note. And this one was actually emailed into us by at uh, Oxville Horde over there on Twitter. Also, Ashley, depending on how you know her, but both are good. Uh, <laughs> so this one is about the aftermath of Hurricane Ida in Louisiana. A lot of people were struggling with lack of food, clean water, no power. It was it was pretty bad. The destruction and flooding, it was, it's, it's overwhelming. This story, though, and, you know, specifically, is about a concerned son calling in from out of state for a wellness check on his 77-year-old dad. Instead of me telling you the situation, we're just going to play it. Crowds and cars lined up for gas in New Orleans. And I've been here since 10 o'clock. It's 2.30. That's four and a half hours. Four and a half hours. This is time-lapse video showing a line of people waiting for food wrapping around a block hours before the food was even handed out. Many of the life-supporting infrastructure elements are not present. They're not operating right now. It's why Mike Treg, sheriff of St. John the Baptist Parish, keeps getting requests for welfare checks. My father lives at this address in Laplace. He's 77 year old, disabled male. That was a message from a man in New Jersey who wanted to know that his dad is okay. So the sheriff sent his men to go check and see. Cajun Navy and the National Guard have not been able to make contact with him due to bringing a roadway. And they went out to check on him. How you doing, sir? 77 year old John Moore was home alone with his dog Nixon. We're with the sheriff's office. Your son is worried about you because he hasn't heard from you. Would I'm you like us to get you out? Too, All right, would you like us to get you out? Yes, sir. All right. They found that Moore's house was damaged by Ida. No water, no food, no electricity, and no fuel in his generator. So the officers convinced him it was not safe to stay. You know, I tried to be by myself, but okay. Here. It's 77, it's hard. They helped Moore, who has Parkinson's, to get dressed. And before they left, Officer Joshua Mathern began folding an American flag that he found on Moore's bedroom floor. Then they all escorted him to the shelter. We have your father. Your father's fine. We also have the dog. Uh, your father's a little shaken up, just wants to make sure he didn't do anything wrong and he's going to be okay. Lieutenant Jake Boudreau decided it was safer for Mr. Moore to go to the hospital. Are you ready? One, two, Apparently this is his father's flag, World War II veteran. He kind of felt wrong to leave it hanging on the ground. And as he sat on the stretcher, they handed him that flag. As Mr. Moore was taken away, Nixon was taken from him because they don't allow dogs at the hospital. 
you know, the sheriff's team was not going to let little Nixon be abandoned. So Lieutenant Boudreaux personally took Nixon to the emergency operations center and he hand delivered him to Rachel. She is the manager of the animal services and Rachel is personally going to look after Nixon and make sure he is okay until he can be reunited with Mr. Moore. Good. That's a good one. I agree. That was, that was awesome. I got, I got a little teary-eyed when I first when I first watched it. It's and I'll, I'll definitely put this on Twitter too. It's like the just the devastation to his house. It's it was pretty bad, and uh, just you know I'm glad they got him all right and he's safe. And you know those uh, the the service workers and emergency crews and stuff worked worked really hard personally on this. So kudos to all of them putting in the time. Yeah, this was a great story. I yeah I. Hadn't actually read it and seen the whole thing, but man, this is this is this is fantastic. I am uh, very happy that he got out safe, and uh, that's it's just nice to hear that uh, they were able to get him out of there before it was you know was any any worse. So yeah, it's always good to hear. Yeah, yeah. So thank you again, Oxwell, for sharing that with us. That was awesome, and we would much rather have all of your suggestions for positive stories than us finding one because we like to include you all. So thank you for taking the time to share that with us. Yeah, seriously. Thanks. Appreciate that. Well, I suppose that's it. Don't you agree? I know. Yeah, it's good. I think we can, we can get out of here. Yeah. We can do this little thing where we say little silly things and we say things like, you know, maybe we should go to those, one of those temporary rooms for reasons. It does sound like a good time. (laughs) I bet they have lots of slushies. Mmm. Slushies. Thanks for listening to Live, Laugh, Lore. If you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, or a question that you're just dying to know the answer to, send us an email at livelaughlorecast at gmail.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at live underscore laugh underscore lore. You can follow Jen on Twitter at Jared Cooster, and you can follow Allie at Allie Anders K. Meanwhile, be kind and take care. <laughs> <laughs>